What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Everyone, welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you today? Doing well, Sean. We got we got hit with some news here in the last uh, thirty minutes or so, going back a few hours. Actually, quite a bit to talk about today. Yeah, stuff that we didn't really know if we'd even get to. Like uh, Devin Askew obviously commits. We'll get into that, but the the big news of the day so far is, and it's not the transfer portal, which is what we've kind of been looking at as being the biggest factor in Kentucky, you know, finalizing a roster for next season. It's actually the high school route, and it's Ty Ty Washington, a guard that Kentucky fans are probably familiar with by now, especially those who watched Nolan Hickman play a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Tata Washington is a guy that in the last few weeks, Derek, has generated quite a bit of buzz, and people seem to think he's a very solid player. He tweets out a picture of Jamal Murray, and I didn't see that offer coming today. I didn't either. I mean, it's it's so late in the game. Now, now Tata Washington, he decommitted from Creighton. I want to say it was the day uh, that Kentucky season actually ended against Mississippi State. He decommitted, and you heard Kentucky was going to be involved. Maybe it was the day after. It was around that time. But you heard that Kentucky was going to be involved most likely back then. But it had been kind of quiet on his front until today. And I believe, uh, obviously, Kentucky offered him, but I think Baylor also offered him today as well. He's also considering Kansas. Um, UCLA, I believe, is also a school that is that is involved with him. So you got some stiff competition there. But, Sean, I guess a couple things. One, what do you make of the timing on this offer? And two, from what you know about Ty Ty, if he were to commit to Kentucky, what kind of fit is that uh, on next year's team? The the timeline, I think that they feel like they'll get him, honestly. You know, this late in the recruiting process, in the spring now, Derek, at at a position where they need need guys at guard, uh, I would actually – Right now, if you ask me where I think Tata Washington ends up, I, I have a feeling it'll be Kentucky, just given uh, the timing of the offer. Like we've always talked about in the past, John Calipari doesn't typically offer people unless they have a really they feel really good about where they where they're going. Uh, how quietly has this recruitment been working in the last three to four weeks? I mean, maybe the fact that it's at an offer is a big deal. We don't know who they've offered when it comes to the portal. Like in all those those recruitments, those are just mentions of Kentucky reaching out. But as far as fit, if you watched the game a couple of weeks ago, there, the buzz was around Tata Washington. It wasn't around Nolan Hickman. After that, Kentucky fans were like, wanting, we want that guy. Not saying that they don't want Hickman, but it, that was the guy that kind of caught Kentucky fans' attention. 
ranked pretty high. He seems like a guy who's been a bit of a late bloomer compared to some other guys. This is not the kind of kid who has been, you know, borderline five stars entire high school career. He's shot up a lot. I believe the expectation and, and at 24-7, we've not updated our final rankings yet. I don't believe Rivals has or ESPN, but uh, Sean, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting the feeling that he's probably going to end up as a five-star kid. Could be wrong there, but I think that's where he's going to end up. So you might be looking at a player, if you care about the rankings, who is going to be ranked higher than Nolan Hickman. Um, it is interesting. I don't – I think Kentucky obviously would still – even if they got Tata, I think he would still want an experienced guard, but it kind of gets you to a point where it, it would be interesting if, if say, they didn't get a Marcus Carr or didn't get some other player who might go into the portal at some point to roll in the next season with your two-point guards being freshmen. Yeah, and, and that's a risky thing, though, right? I mean, coming well, off of what you just did this season. Coming off of it, I, I do see it that way. But at the same time, Sean, I mean, that had pretty much worked for Cal every other year. Yes. At Kentucky with a freshman point guard. And I mean, if you have two, I think the hope would be that one of those guys could step up and command a team, especially on a, on a, with a group next year that should be much more experienced than, uh, than what you saw this season. Yeah. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe they watched enough in the last few weeks. Maybe that game itself. One thing I will add is Nolan Hickman seems to be on board with it. Like he put on his Instagram story today. Uh, Let me see if I can find it, Uh, but I can paraphrase. It was just talking about uh, he supporting it. Can we make this happen? You know, what, what's the hold up? Like, you know, go ahead and just commit right now, which is encouraging to see. Uh, but how wild is it that Kentucky's connection to Creighton just keeps, you know, growing? You have Davion Mintz. Uh, obviously, fans were so ingrained with uh, Zegarowski, who decided to declare for the NBA draft this afternoon, which we'll get into that as well because it's still not sure what happens with an agent and if he's foregoing all of his remaining eligibility. But the main story of the day is Tata Washington, and now you actually have a target. These other pieces aren't targets yet because we don't – like to us, they're not because we don't know about offers. We just know about Kentucky has reached out. They're, they could reach out to 50 people. That doesn't mean anything. For sure. Something I find interesting, too, about Washington is – I'm reading what Jonathan Gavoni had to say. But you know, Kyle Tucker tweeted that earlier if you want to find that. I'm not sure if that's a premium <laughs> premium thing or not. Um but one one of the interesting things is he seems to be a legitimate uh, a legitimate NBA prospect, and I don't know if if that's the kind of thought for um, Nolan Hickman to this point. Sorry if the audio just got better. Sean had to remind me to <laughs> make sure my mic was plugged in, kind of be thrown off for a minute. But no. Tata Washington's rise this year. I mean, you, you have people thinking he's a pick next year, and Nolan Hickman. You're talking about a guy who it seems like, at least from the people I've talked to, expect he could be an all-SEC type guard as a sophomore. So with Ty Ty, you you might be getting more natural ability. And one thing I do like that ESPN had to say about him, Sean, is that he can play off the ball very well as well. So that was Eric Bossy who said that on 24-7. He can play off the ball very well. He's a good jump shooter, 6'3", good in the pick and roll. When you see this kid's scouting report and the, the way people talk about him, I mean, it makes me think that he's he's certainly worth moving on and and trying to trying to get this kid in here next year. 
Yeah, and the fact that he was a borderline top 100 recruit that is now five-star potential, Derek, just shows you the same thing with Nolan Hickman, right? Like a guy that wasn't on anyone's radar, and here Kentucky comes, and they get that job done. And then if they can get Washington, who ends up being a five-star kid, they did something that none of us even thought could happen. Like we've been sitting here talking about that they have to fill this spot with a portal because there wasn't that elite-in guy in high school. And they might, if it works out, We you wrote all the composite scores down of what they would be for next season's roster of all the guys coming back and the guys coming in. And was it Damian Collins was the highest? Is that how it would have been? Was the only composite five-star out of all the guys? If Keon doesn't come back, yeah. If Keon point, doesn't Collins come back. Be the only one. Yeah, and he, and he is ranked higher than what Keon was. So Collins will be pretty much under any circumstance unless – Jaden Hardy pulls a stunner, you know what I mean? Something like that. It would take something unexpected for Collins not to be. And I, that's the other thing too. Like we, I've, I know I've mentioned this multiple times. I've mentioned how it's, it's important to get away from the AAU thing when it comes to the bulk of your roster, you know, get away from the AAU circuit, get kids who've been in college basketball programs. But does John Calipari view the point guard spot that way? Is it, Does he want a guy like Marcus Carr or someone who's done something for so long at another program? Or do you want to get a guy who hasn't been groomed by anybody at the collegiate level that you're, that's talented and you start fresh at that position with two guys? I don't know which scenario is is, is better. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, Davion Mintz wasn't supposed to be on last year's roster, right? If they got Cade Cunningham. Right, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. That would have been their backcourt. It would have been Cade and Devin Askew. It would have been two freshmen. I'm just hesitant to – I don't know. I think you might get some people who are going to say, oh, man, Kentucky this late, it's April 13th, they're offering a high school guard. They must not feel good about the guys that are going after in the portal. I I don't know if it's Cal trying to go after every option. Another thing about that's weird about the timing is like it has been a month basically since this kid's been available, and now they just now offered. I know other schools did as well, like I mentioned earlier. Baylor was a school that just offered, but it kind of makes me wonder what the holdup might have been um, if this was a kid that you knew you wanted to add right away. So perhaps you know we're deciphering that too much. I don't know. What it tells me though is it seems like no firm decisions have really been made yet. I, you don't offer Ty Ty Washington, right, if you think you've got someone lined up. Is, is that fair or unfair? Or do you think they want to take two high school point guards and add another veteran guy with them and then just say, hey, whoever earns the minutes earns the minutes. We're just we're not going to be in a spot this season where we have no options. I could see them adding. They're going to add somebody in the backcourt from the portal for sure. There, there's going to be, I think, two more portal pieces out of this roster, even if Ty Ty Washington's a part of it. I just think the portal, they've been too active in it, Derek, to not take someone from the portal. And I still think that if somebody leaves, they'll add a front court piece as well. So I will go, I, just given the timing, did he get, like, is this an offer that's kind of been there and just didn't get announced until today? Like we I don't know. Think, I, I would think I would think it probably came today. I, I, I mean, Hickman never announced an offer. 
That's true. Hickman seems like a different kind of kid, though. That's um, true. And, you know, the Baylor offer today, like, did Baylor and Kentucky offer at the exact same same <laughs> time? That's the other thing. Like, um, I don't know. He's something to think about. Um, you know, obviously in other Kentucky news, we're talking about Devin Askew, who today really surprised me, Sean, really surprised me that uh, Texas – New head coach Chris Beard. He also Texas just got uh, Andrew Jones back as well. He's going to use an extra year. He's returning to school. They've got <laughs> Askew coming in. What do you? How do you see him fitting in with what you know about Chris Beard and how he wants to play? What do you see him, Devin Askew, in that system? I think he fits better there than he does because I, I view Devin Askew as a developmental piece long term. And I think he, that he he didn't transfer back to California. I mean, he wasn't like those other West Coast kids. I mean, he went to Texas. That's so true. All and back home. I do think that the best thing for him would to be if he can be in that program with Chris Beard for two to three years, then maybe Devin Askew as a junior or senior develops into a, a quality guard that can play in the Big Twelve. So this is either going to come, and regardless, if if Devin Askew has any success at all, it's going to be a punch straight to the face in, for John Calipari from national media and from everyone. Cal doesn't benefit from this in any way there. No. Like, Kentucky doesn't. Like, it's either just going to be forgotten about or it's going to be one of those things where Johnny Juzang this year, everybody was throwing it up, or Jamal Baker getting off to a hot start Arizona, with who now has ended up at Fresno State which is just hard to believe that his career has gone from Kentucky to Arizona to Fresno State. But as far as Askew at Texas, I did not see Texas being the school that he would go to. No way. And his was pretty quiet. I, I got to say that, too, about a lot of these transfers. You do get some list uh, that come out. I don't remember seeing anything about Devin that included Texas. Like, I could be wrong. Um, one angle to think about, if he is going to be a two- or three-year guy, like you said, perhaps Kentucky sees him. Perhaps they get to reschedule that game with Texas in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. I know, you know, it wouldn't technically be like a rescheduling. It was just flat-out canceled this year. Um, but that's something to think about. Maybe you'll see Devin Askew play one more game in Rupp Arena, potentially. Um, I don't but, know if he wants to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know either. And, again, I don't know enough about Texas's roster to know how Devin's going to fit. He's um, not going to go there. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I wonder – he. I would say a lot of these kids probably want to stay in the draft, but whether they get to or not, you're talking about Zagorowski. His announcement to leave said he was going to the NBA and he thanked Creighton fans, but he didn't. And I'm not seeing it reported yet. Maybe it will be by the time we're done with this podcast. I've not seen it outright said that he is hiring an agent. So if you're holding out any kind of hope, I think you still can, that maybe he'll get his NBA feedback. And he's made the decision. Basically what we know from that post is he will not be back at Creighton. Yeah. under any circumstance next year because he thanked them. But to me, the way it read, it seemed like he plans to stay in the draft. But until I get or hear any kind of confirmation that he is for sure staying in or hiring an agent, then perhaps you can hold out hope there. But as it seems now, Sean, it really seems like Marcus Carr. He's doing the same thing. He's going through that NBA draft process. But in terms of available transfers, I don't know that anyone better than him is going to go into the portal. So that will be something to track next few days, coming weeks, um, to see if anyone else does become a fit. 
Yeah, it's certainly a big news dump, right? Something that <laughs> we didn't have any of this to talk about. It was just going to be Tata Washington only. And then here comes Devin Askew to Texas. Segarowski decides to transfer. And you, you are spot on with that. Just reading, he didn't mention anything about foregoing eligibility. He didn't mention anything about transfer portal or anything. But that sounds like a message of a guy that is not going back to Creighton in any way regardless of what happens over the next couple of months. Uh, like you said, maybe it gets reported before this podcast gets published, or maybe it gets reported later tonight, but he didn't, there's nothing out there to say that he has given up his eligibility. Not yet. Not yet. A few other transfer notes, not necessarily sure that UK will even become involved, but because he was a highly ranked recruit, uh, Kansas freshman Bryce Thompson, UK was not, was not even someone who really recruited him, but, in this age of the portal, I think anytime a highly rated kid goes in, it's it's going to be a story. Seems like the projection for him early on might be Oklahoma State, which is a school that he also considered. He's from Tulsa, so he's a kid I just saw that came across the wire. But I saw Travis Branham, who, who was the guy who reported the Askew news. Apparently, his his numbers that he you know he's been tracking the transfer portal, Sean. It sounds like it's slowing down significantly here lately. Just a few guys here and there going in. And I don't know if you wanted to save this, but since because we didn't talk about it before, but since Askew went ahead and made his choice, I believe you were asked a mailbag question about Cameron Fletcher that, that we didn't quite get to. It might make sense to, to talk yeah. about that now. And I apologize to Sam and DM. Uh, usually I will leave requests on Twitter, like in DMs, as a request. That way I don't miss it. But when people have entered the mailbag over and over again, sometimes I forget it. So now I'm going to start bookmarking them. But Sam asked about Cameron Fletcher last Wednesday, actually. Uh, there hasn't been anything since he went into the portal, Derek. There's not really been those links and those connections. I, I honestly have no idea where Fletcher goes. Uh, but he, uh, Sam mentions that he's seen some UNC fans wanting him because he used to play with Caleb Bluff. People, you try to find any kind of connection you can, right? That's what uh, that's what people look for. Was wasn't there? A, there was a second he, part too. He asked about Sean Miller uh, being let go at Arizona. Do you see Kentucky being a possible player for their starting point guard James? I think it's Akinjo. Uh, he's testing the draft waters, but retaining his eligibility. No word on transferring if he were to come back at this point. Uh, Derek, that's a guy that did average fifteen point six points per game, five point four assists. Uh, 40% three-point shooter this past season for Arizona. I know that name. I've watched him play a few times. He's a good player. I would guess some of that will depend on who Arizona chooses to hire. I don't I don't believe they've made a hire yet, have they? And that, that should be a – I would think that will be a job that they have a lot of alumni spread out that are college head coaches or even I think some guys in the NBA who are assistants. So I would think they'll end up with somebody pretty good out of Arizona. But, and yeah, the portal's slowing down. Like, You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Said. But I think there will be periods where it will pick up again, too. Like if when Arizona gets a head coach, uh, NBA draft decisions. 
you know, with some other guys that haven't announced anything yet, what happens there? Um, how do dominoes fall? Does somebody add someone that it forces someone else out? Then you, you never know. I mean, there's still guys we're waiting to hear from right now uh, from Kentucky, of whether they're going to be there or not. But uh, I think that pretty much covers everything on the transfer portal, right? Anything else yeah. you want to add there? The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. No, just, just more waiting and seeing who goes in there and where they go. Let's talk about Jamal Murray and everything last night. I know we don't spend a, a ton talking about the NBA, but when something goes down with one of UK's guys, we usually try to hit on it. And Jamal Murray obviously suffered a torn ACL. Uh, the the clip, you could kind of foreshadow and see exactly what it was going to be. You hate to speculate, Derek, but the way that he was in pain on the floor, the way the all the you could just see all the force that went to his knee and stuff on that clip. It was a non-contact injury. Nobody made contact with him. Those are always the ones that you know are probably not going to give the best results the next morning. And so he has suffered a torn ACL. I hate to see it because Murray's a guy that blew up this time a year ago, like when and everything with the NBA and then this past summer and stuff in the bubble, he just continued to get better. Uh, definitely, on one of the one of the better duos in the NBA there. And Cal Perry even mentioned that in his tweet today. I, I hate to see it, but what what was your reaction to that? Cal's not had a lot of guys have major, major injuries like that, has he? I mean, DeMarcus Cousins later in his career, but here's Murray who's really just now getting into the prime of it. Yeah. I feel so super young. He is, yeah. You know, that's what I would say. No one really in their prime. Julius Randall, I think, got hurt his very first game, right, as a rookie. Uh was lost for the season, but Cal tweeted the day he's hurting for Jamal Murray, an absolute superstar who I believe has torn one of the NBA's best one-two punches with Nikola Jokic. I know this is only going to be a minor setback for Jamal. He is wired different and will do everything in his power to come back better than ever. Um, terrible timing because I, I got, I'm going to give a shout out to um, a very good friend of mine, Anthony Crawford, who if you've read the Cat's Balls over the years, you probably saw his byline in there. He was a UK journalism student with me. He had texted me, I want to say over the weekend, saying that he didn't know if it was a hot take or not, but he thought that the Nuggets would make the NBA Finals. And uh, unfortunately, when I saw what happened last night, I had to text him and say, I think your your prediction's probably going to take a bit of a hit. Because that, that's a devastating – one, it's devastating, obviously, for Jamal, uh, who now faces, you know, a, ACLs probably aren't what they used to be, right, Sean? Would you agree? You know, a lot of guys have that and come back strong. Uh, but it's still a hard road back. He's He's going to miss – you know, one of the best parts is you play this whole year to get ready for the playoffs. Playoffs are coming up soon, and the Nuggets won't have him. So 
I, in the NBA world, like you said, we don't talk a lot about it. I really don't follow it that closely. I watch a lot of the playoffs, but the, the regular season grind, I don't really keep up with. Um, but I am sure in the NBA universe that is heavily discussed today. One of my favorite players to watch, Sean, at Kentucky. I thought Tyler Eulis and Jamal Murray, one of the most fun backcourts uh, to watch for that season back in 20, 2015-16. So I really hate that for Jamal. Yeah, I hate it for him too. And you could see the reaction, Stephen Curry, all those guys on the floor knew exactly what it was. And you hate to see it. He is in the midst of a huge contract, which is good news that this injury happens. And he's definitely uh, got the the big contract under him and everything, which, which is always encouraging to see. Hopefully Jamal gets back out there and uh, gets it rolling again. One of the most exciting players and you obviously have to look. Remember when Cal, when he got picked there, he said a lot of people are going to regret picking others over Jamal Murray, and I certainly think they do. I always thought the Timberwolves. I, I was hoping for him back then that he, that would have been his fit. I think they had the fourth pick that year. They took the guy from Providence. I forget his name. It's done. And he might have had a good career. I really don't know. But uh, I thought that would have been a cool fit for him. And obviously I just drafted Towns the year before. So, uh any, did you see the clip, Sean? I don't know what the context was. Was it uh, Kenny Payne? Yeah. Speaking of NBA stuff, with, was that Julius Randle, Anthony Davis? He was hugging up on yeah, before a game. Really cool. Really cool to see that and the just the level of respect that those guys had for Kenny at Kentucky and and you see it like when you have two three guys come together like that and the the clip that somebody took a screen grab of it and posted it just the love that they have and. It, it's just amazing to see. I still think to this day that Kenny Payne is just a was a massive loss to John Calipari in the program, but rightfully so. At some point, he was going to have to going to move up and do something, and it was a step up in the NBA. I mean, maybe that's where Kenny wants to be, but you just see the relationships and stuff in the NBA. De'Aaron Fox went for forty plus again last night in a loss uh, to the Pelicans, but there are a lot of dudes playing very well in the NBA. Emmanuel quickly playing well. A lot of guys playing well in the NBA from Kentucky, which certainly doesn't hurt Kentucky's chances in when it comes to recruiting, whether it be the portal or uh, the high school ranks. Yeah, I think that track record is, is tough to beat. I mean, just the alumni of Kentucky players who have played under John Calipari and have gone on, even despite a poor season, you have to think that that, that rep's probably not going to take too much of a hit. Um, Sean, if you don't have anything else on basketball, just a few football things I wanted to touch on. Kind of hard to believe, but this is the final week of spring practice for the football team. It's, it's been probably the most quiet spring practice I can ever remember, and I think obviously the pandemic has a lot to do with that. Us being on Zoom, very, very limited availability. You're basically talking to a coordinator and a player, and that's all you're getting, whereas a normal spring experience, they, they will basically give you anybody you want. Um, so that's been a big hit this year, but a couple couple of comments from offensive coordinator Liam Cohen this morning that I found, uh, I guess just kind of interesting. He was asked um, by Lexington Herald leader columnist John Clay about if he had to, if any of the guys on the offense kind of had to be sold on the new offense, if he had to do some convincing or whatever, that this was the best fit for them. And uh, he, Cohen kind of laughed it off. He said, uh, I don't, he said, they knew the guys The guys knew that they needed to be better on offense. I don't think it's about me or the offense. They just knew they needed to get better as an offense. You can't throw for 110 yards the last two seasons. That's just not good enough at the end of the day. 
it doesn't matter what system you're running. So that, that quote was longer. If you want to see that, I wrote about it at catspaws.com. Any, any thought to that? Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. And it, it should be noted for Eddie Grant's sake that one of those seasons they did have a wide receiver playing yeah. quarterback. But, uh, yeah, last year is, is probably more what, what Liam's talking about. And they, they probably wish they had a wide receiver playing quarterback then, too. Yeah. I would have hoped to have had Bowden back if you know what you're going to get last year. Uh, that, that that just kind of stood out to me. Um, I, I don't know that he's necessarily, you know, it's a personal shot at Eddie Grant by any means, but, the fact of the matter is, Sean, that they did throw for that few yards is, is ultimately why Eddie Grant is not the offensive coordinator today, and it is somebody else. It is. It is. Spot on with it. But, I mean, that's the thing. They were they were so bad that if you have any other opinion about it, you're lying. <laughs> like, that. that's how bad it was. I mean, he, he knows that, that they can't – you can't throw for that few yards and expect yeah. to be successful in college football, especially in the SEC. For sure. And in my research, um, it wasn't much research. I was just writing about the quarterbacks. Hard, Not hard to believe, actually, because we watch it, but no quarterback at Kentucky has thrown for more than 2,500 yards in a season since Patrick Tolles in 2014. That's, That's incredible. You know, Steven Johnson did a nice job for him. He got close to that. I think he threw for maybe 2,300 one year and then 2,000 the next. So he, he wasn't awful. But no. 2,500 is not a very big number anymore in college football. Let's set the over-under. Let's just do this for fun. No matter who the quarterback is, and maybe you have a have an opinion on who it might be, but does this year's passer get to over 2,500 yards this season? In year one? Uh, Yes, yes, they do. They I think do. so as well, yeah. Because I think they're going to the, – obviously, when you have Wondell Robinson there, you want to showcase these – when a guy transfers into your program who's going to get hopefully picked in the NFL draft, you want to showcase that guy. you got Josh Ali coming back. you got solid tight ends there. I think they're going to throw the ball and be successful with it. But at the same time, those numbers won't get too big because you still got Chris Rodriguez and you still got Cavassier Smoke. But I expect Kentucky to be significantly more balanced than what they've been in a very, very long time. Will it will it sway to the passing side significantly? I don't know. Not when you have backs like that. Mark Stoops is still going to be a, a game manager when it comes to the clock and time of possession and things like that. But they're certainly going to. I think what you're going to you're going to get those shots on third down and stuff that you haven't gotten in the past. I mean, it's that's 208 yards per game in a 12-game season just to get to 2,500 yards, 208. Uh, that's, that is not in, uh, you know. My uh, biggest I, thing is excitement on offense is I want to see when something happens that's a momentum shift and they get you in a spot, I want to see an offense that can cut your throat from midfield as soon as momentum swings and you just you throw a bomb down the field and score. Like, that's what I want to see. Or you get them in a situation and you just you kill them right there. Sorry for, for the violence. I might have to put a violence alert on this episode. Yeah, I've always loved the coming off a turnover, the kind of the play action set it up. Or not not even just off a turnover, but I think that play action passing game this year when you got Chris Rodriguez rolling or whoever it is that's back there, Maybe you do a couple play-action rollouts and you're kind of dumping it down, just kind of nickel and diming it. And then 
the coordinator sets it up in a way you can take that shot. And, and does UK have the guys this year to execute that? that? That remains to be seen, you know. I think Isaiah Epps is the kind of guy for his whole career they hoped would be that deep ball threat. They've not connected on very many. Could have had one if Bo Allen would have hit him in stride last year against Vanderbilt. Could have been a touchdown. He got he open. He hit him in stride. Can you imagine what the fan base would have been like for the rest of the season if if they had if he had completed that pass? Bo Allen would have had to be the starter the next week, yeah. right? <laughs> but speaking of Bo Allen, I actually heard this. Um, someone who was at the scrimmage told me two interceptions. Uh during Saturday's scrimmage. I don't know. I think one was on a tip ball. Matter of fact, you could see it in the video UK sent out. Jordan Wright came down with the pick. Apparently it was Bo Allen who threw that ball, and then he had another one. I'm assuming it was the Carrington Valentine. I saw on his Instagram uh, he posted he was clearly intercepting a pass, so drawing, drawing it together. But surprisingly to me, Sean, all the scuttlebutt out of camp is that Joey Gatewood um, has separated himself probably a little bit. And that's all not taken into account what what will happen when Will Levis, when Will Levis gets here. Uh, I still think, if you were asking me today, I, I think Levis will be the quarterback this fall. And you could say, Derek, well, how, why in the world would you think that? I mean, he's not even been here. These guys have been here for 15 practices. I'm just telling you, I think it's going to be Will Levis this fall who starts. But either way, good sign for Joey Gatewood, who I had basically all but written off in this new offense. It sounds like he's really had a good spring and – is going to be right there neck and neck probably when fall camp starts. So Somebody asked me the same question yesterday. I was actually at a middle school baseball game, and someone pops over, and, hey, who's going to be the quarterback? Yeah, I said, I was rolling up to a, to a coffee shop the other day, and somebody walks through and said, I just listened to you on Kentucky Daily. Now, granted, it is one of my good friends, but still, <laughs> it's still cool when, when people pop in and say, hey, I listened to the podcast. The other day, let us know if, if you if you listen. If you've never reached out to one of us, let us know. We Derek and I were on the phone earlier for about thirty minutes and just talking about locations and numbers and downloads and how crazy you all are. Because like we'll sit here, we won't even drop an episode, and we think that it's been quiet. And we look and we're climbing the charts because somebody decided to go back and download an episode from a week ago and listen to the full thing. We appreciate that. I'm I'm not calling you crazy. It's like John Calipari's crazy, like crazy in a good way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you people are. We, uh, I'm I'm probably having more fun now in the off season recording this podcast than I've ever had before. I uh, look forward to recording every day. Going back to the top, Sean. Uh, not much time left here, but I just saw Tata Washington tweeted he'll be announcing his top five this weekend. So be on the lookout for that. It could be a really newsy recruiting weekend. Of course, you got the football commitments. Uh, or, Football targets, I guess I should say. Keontae Goodwin on Saturday, Destin and Keaton Wade on Friday, and then we got on the basketball side, Ty Ty Washington now. So we'll have some stuff to talk about this weekend. Uh, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, you're go- you're going to get plenty of episodes of Kentucky Daily. Sounds like uh, with all the news coming, and we expect it to uh, to kind of load up here in the coming days. Is Kentucky still figuring out what they want to do with their basketball roster? Kentucky football success going to keep it rolling, hopefully on their end. Uh, there definitely seems like there's a lot of optimism around UK athletics this week, Derek, that Kentucky football will have a big week. It remains to be seen. We'll see what happens uh, by Saturday afternoon. But as always, this episode is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, two locations, one in Palmville, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. And then May 1st is the grand opening date for the location in London, Kentucky. There'll be a third Butcher's Pub location. Today is Taco Tuesday, tomorrow Wing Wednesday. Make it out to the pub. 
He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.